0: Pastor Xavier Ruiz, and the simple truths of the hearer and doer of the Word.
1: If you're going to study the Word of God, what is the reason for that? If you're not really intending to be a doer of it, then what you're intending to be is a hypocrite. The reason we study is to be doers of the Word of God. James 1.25 says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the Word, this one will be blessed in what he does.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Prayer, study, servanthood. You could say these are terms that describe the follower of God. But Pastor Xavier says it should come as no surprise that these are simple truths that also answer the oft-asked question, What do I have to do to be used of God? and with the monumental task of rebuilding the temple following the return from Babylonian captivity, the scribe Ezra aptly illustrates these are the attributes needed not only to begin a new work of God, but are just as critical for seeing it through to completion to God's glory. Let's listen.
1: Who are the men that God uses? We looked at the first part of Ezra, the first six chapters, and we picked from there certain selective scriptures. To show that God still is speaking to men today. But the reality of it is that men are not listening or responding to God's calling. In the latter half, we want to focus upon the men that God uses. Men are always asking me, women are always asking me, I want to be used of God. What do I have to do? And though this list is not exhaustive, we do observe through these chapters some very key issues. If we're going to be used of God, remember now that between chapter 6 and 7 there, are, there is a 60 year gap. Many times we don't understand as we read the scriptures and uh, we don't make the comparisons and uh, we lose a lot without that knowledge. It's been 80 years since the first return of Zerubbabel to repatriate the nation with the number of 50,000 Jews from the captivity. Zerubbabel returned around 536, 37. It is now 457. And so 80 years is a long time. And sometimes we lose sight of that also as we read the scriptures and we read something. And then we see all of a sudden, well, how could they do this? There's been a whole two generations, four generations have gone by. And all of a sudden, the men and the women that had been used to repatriate the nation through Zerubbabel, the political leader, have fallen into sin and compromise it is most interesting to me that when god begins a new work that unless men and women who have been used to begin that work stay faithful to jesus christ they will fall into complacency lethargy comfort and they will begin to compromise with sin and they lose their salt and all of a sudden there's no vision there's no desire to see people come to Christ. There's no desire to be part of the body. But they still go through their formalities. They come to church. They sit down. They listen to the word. They're the ones that are saying amen the loudest. They're the ones that are going, uh-huh, uh-huh, tell them preacher. But they're compromising. And so we need to be open to the work of the Spirit in our lives. Lest we become religious hypocrites. And really deceiving no one but ourselves. Certainly we cannot deceive God. Certainly we can't fool everybody. And so we need to open our hearts to see what God has to say about the men and the women that God uses. The first thing I note in these last four chapters is that God uses men and women of the word. In chapter 7, verse 10. It says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes, ordinances in Israel. Now Ezra was a skilled scribe in the law of Moses, verse 6 tells us of chapter 7. The word skill literally means quick, rapid. It suggests a quickness of grasping and proficiency in the ease of the movement with the complex material. Ezra was not just a scribe who cared only for memorizing scripture. I think sometimes as Christians we get too caught up in memorizing scripture as if that is going to make us spiritual alone. I think the church has fallen into a snare today to think that knowledge equates spirituality. I mean, who possesses more information than a computer? Does that make the computer wise? No. Because the computer can only do what it's programmed to do. As I look at some Christians today, they remind me of computers. They've got all kinds of information, but they have no ability to discern it, to decipher, to understand. Because they aren't really desiring that from God. And they're trusting in the information. Now, Ezra was from a long line of men who honored God's word. I want to call your attention to one specific name. In verse 5, it says that he was the son of Abishia, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, and the son of Aaron, the chief priest. The one I want to call your attention to is Phinehas. Phineas was that individual who was zealous for God. And in Numbers 25 from verse 7 to 13 in that region there, that was a time, remember, when Balaam had given counsel to King Balak to send his young maidens into the camp and to introduce idolatry, and then God himself would destroy Israel. And so he sent all his beautiful young ladies in there, and they said, Hey, these are our gods. You want to know how we worship them? We worship them on sexual rights. You want me to show you? And the wrath of God fell upon the camp. As Moses and Aaron and Phinehas were looking around, what was going on? An Israelite young man, right by with one of these Moabitish women, went right into his tent and began to lay with her. Phinehas was so zealous, so outraged, he grabbed the spear and thrust them both through. And God there promised that he would be promised perpetual priesthood within his line. Here we have God's faithfulness after 70 years of captivity. But see, God honors those who honor his word. I remember the words of God as he told Samuel. Remember, little Samuel was brought to be brought up in the temple. Eli was the priest. His sons were scoundrels, laying with the women, ripping off the offerings, causing the people of God to abhor the sacrifice of God. Eli never confronted his children. And God told Samuel, I want you to give a message to Eli. Tell him i to wipe him out. Those that honor me, I will honor them. He honored his children above God. And so Phineas was from a long line of people who honored God's word. No matter what it cost them, they honored God's word. Now notice that he says in verse 10 that he prepared his heart to seek the law of Moses. The word seek means to study. Notice he doesn't say to prepare his brain, but to prepare his heart. We must be real careful as a people of God that we don't get caught up with intellectualism. On the other extreme, we have to be careful that we don't get up with emotionalism. God has nothing against our emotions. But make sure that you're not living your Christian experience through emotionalism and you're depending on Holy Ghost bumps and and feelings and, and, and feeling good all the time or whatever it is. Make sure you stand on the Word of God. Psalm 119, verse 9 through 11 says, Wherewithal will a young man cleanse his ways? Listen, he said, In my heart have I hid thy word that I might not sin against you. You want a good solution for sin? Put God's word in your heart. Don't make provisions for your flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. The Bible says abstain from all appearance of evil. Don't make provision for the flesh. What kind of videos are you watching? Do you rationalize and compromise? Say, well, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, that's part of life. I mean, so they're having sex in front of me on TV. Who cares? Something's wrong then. If the word doesn't bother you and sin doesn't bother you, you're in bad shape. Paul commands Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And there's all throughout the scriptures and especially in the pastoral epistles. But let me read you something in 2 Timothy chapter 3. As Paul admonishes his young pastor, 2 Timothy 3.14, he says, But as for you, in contrast to those who are not godly. And let me tell you something. If you're godly, Listen. You will suffer persecution. And if you're not suffering persecution in one way, shape, or form at some time, then maybe you're not too godly. But as for you, continuing the things which you have learned and have, assured, have been assured of, knowing that from you that when, whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. Now listen. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Theoponuso, God breathed. All the Scriptures are of God. Be careful of the preachers and teachers that tell you, well, you know, this isn't in the manuscript, and, you know, this isn't what it really says. This isn't inspired. Are you able, are you authoritative to tell me what's inspired and not? Are you greater than Moses? Greater than Jesus? Be careful of the so-called seminary professors. That's about all they are—professors, not possessors. When they start ripping up the texts, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and probable for doctrine, teaching, reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work—not some, but every good work. So, first of all, God uses men and women who are men and women of the Word. But it is an intellectual. It's what they study. It's okay for you to come and sit under a preacher or a teacher, and that's good. That's part of it. But if you never get into the Word of God yourself, if you don't open Ephesians and if you don't read it through one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times, you divide it up. You look at the key words. How many times does this word appear? Why is he saying it? What's the central theme? Who is he writing to? Why is he writing? You make those questions. Then you study the text for yourself. That's the completion of full study. Pastor and your own. If you just depend on the pastor, you're a candidate for deception. Because you're not thinking it through. You're not making it your own. Following man instead of following Jesus Christ. But not only study the word, nor he says to do it. If you're going to study the word of God, what is the reason for that? If you're not really intending to be a doer of it, then what you're intending to be is a hypocrite. Now, I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not perfect. Just ask my wife. She's sitting right over there. If not, just follow me around for an hour after the study. But the reason we study is to be doers of the word of God. We want to bring glory to Jesus Christ. Now, it hasn't been that long. We just finished studying James. I hope you haven't forgotten. James kind of put us back in our place, didn't he? Godly men usually do. And James 1.25 says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the word, this one will be blessed in what he does. And so I can't be just a hearer, but I must be a doer. Jesus called the Pharisees hypocrites, actors. Why? They knew the law. But they studied it to make a show of themselves to men. They wanted to be seen. They would be very meticulous about everything, but they weren't doers in their heart. Jesus says, you guys strain at a gnat and you swallow a camel. You guys are worshiping men's traditions instead of being obedient to the Word of God. And so we not only need to study, but we need to be doers of the Word of God. Some of you are involved in things that you have no business being involved in. You know it. And God has dealt with you and is dealing with you, but you're still hardening your heart. You need to resolve it. You need to deal with it. But notice that he not only was going to be a doer of it, but he was going to teach it. Let me give you a very simple, very simple principle. You want to learn something? Teach it to somebody. (laughs) Teach it. And what makes that teaching powerful is that they see your life. If you aren't being a doer, then what you teach gets canceled out. How often we have heard, well, I don't know, you know, that's a Christian. I don't want to be like him. Jesus says, you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Whether you want it or not, you are a witness. Either you're a good witness or you're a bad witness. But you're a witness. Being a witness isn't what you do. You are a witness. And so he says, to teach the law. Listen what Acts 1 says. And Jesus began both to do and to teach. He was the pattern. You go through the book of Acts and you see it. Do and teach. Do and teach. But doing and teaching is preceded by study. God uses men and women of the word. Let me give you a couple of scriptures again. Just jot these down. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, Paul says, As I urge you, when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may change, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Now, listen to me. Too many people get all ruffled when we start teaching doctrine. And they say, well, you're too narrow minded. I mean, come on. I cannot waver left or right. Whatever the word says is doctrine, that's what we teach. It's like you ask me, well, how do you get to LAX? I say, oh, it don't matter. Just get on the freeway. You would say, come on, get serious. Well, let's get serious. Charge that nobody teach any other doctrine. What doctrine? That which is in the New Testament, the Old Testament. It's not a matter of being self-righteous. It's not a matter of, of not liking other people or whatever. It's a matter of being honorable to God. Not to man. Be careful of the spirit within the church today of saying, oh, let's just love one another. Let's have unity. Whenever you're seeking unity and peace and love at the sacrifice of doctrine... That's not the spirit of Jesus Christ. So be careful of that. In chapter 3, verse 2, again he says, A bishop then must be blameless, husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, good behavior, hospitable. Listen, able to teach. Qualification of, a, of an elder, a deacon. You have to be able to teach. In chapter 4, verse 11, he says, These things command then, teach. And he enumerates all of those, and he preceded some also. Teach, teach, teach. And in chapter 6, verse 2 through 3. And those who have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather serve them, because those who are benefited are believers and beloved. Listen, teach and exhort these things. If anyone teach otherwise, and does not consent to the wholesome words, even to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine, which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing but is obsessed in disputes and arguments over words from which come, envy, strife, reveling, evil, conspicuous, suspicious. Now, you've experienced, along with me, people that just want to argue. You've got those that say, hey, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't argue with them. Just send them down to the churches that believe that. That's all. Tell them, hey, you know what? There's a group of people believe just like you're here. I think you feel real at home there. That's all people you get the dunkers they say hey well i believe you have to be water baptized to be saved share the scriptures if they can't accept it then send them down to the other church on the other side that believes like that that's all don't argue with people fleshly carnal self-righteous religious people are arguing all the time we are commanded to teach the word and if people respond great and if not we dust shake the dust off our feet and we continue to pray for them We're not any better. We're saved by grace. And so God uses men and women of the Word. They study, they do, and they teach. So if you really want to learn the Word, then begin to teach it to someone. Find a Bible study where you work, in your neighborhood. Some of you have been taught so much, you're going to have a spiritual heart attack because you're not getting any exercise. You know, if you just feed your face and never do any exercise that's what you get a heart attack and I think that's the problem with some of us we've been fed so much and we haven't done anything with it secondly men and God uses men and women of willing service in chapter 8 verse 15 through 17 chapter 8 gives us the listing of those who came back with Ezra which was only about 1500 again a small remnant in comparison to those who went into captivity Here Ezra says that he gathered them at the river, and they were there for three days. He looked upon the people, and he found that there was no sons of Levites there. And so he sent Eliezer and some of the other leaders that had understanding. He gave them commandments to seek them out, those who would be servants of the house of God. And um, in verse 20, he gives us the Nethanims, who were also of the uh, service for the Levites uh, in the days of Solomon. And so God uses men and women of willing service those who recognize their gifts, those who desire to serve God because of their gratitude towards God. And that should be the attitude of every person who ever comes to Christ because we are all indebted to Christ. But we don't serve Him because we have to. We serve Him because it's a privilege and He has called us to serve Him. That's why Ephesians 4.12 says that God has given pastors, teachers, evangelists, on and so forth for the perfecting, of the saints for the work of ministry. And so we have to understand the priesthood of believers. In 1 Peter chapter 2, we are all called to do the work of ministry. And so God uses men and women of willing service. Now, in verse 17, it says that they should bring us servants for the house of God. To serve the house of God, Jesus said, I am among you as one, Who serves? What a tremendous blow to us, huh? God among us as one who serves. We're servants. And God has put us here to serve one another and to serve the community of Pasadena. God did not give us this building and everything he has simply because we're more righteous than the rest of the people. He told the children of Israel, I gave you the land, not because you're more righteous, but just that you're not as bad as the other guys. Kind of gives you proper perspective, doesn't it? Jesus washed their feet in John 13. And he said, I've given you an example. That was the task of a servant. You would come into a house. You've been walking all day. In those days, they didn't have public toilets. So when you walked around everywhere else, when you came in, your feet were dirty. And whose job was it to clean those filthy feet with excrement on it and everything else? A slave. Take your sandal off wash your feet, dry them, take your sandal, clean it off. We're bond servants of Jesus Christ willingly. Paul calls himself a bond servant. If a slave didn't want to be free, he'd tell his master, "I love you, I don't want to be set free." He would grab the elders of the city, take him to the doorpost of his house, grab an awl and a hammer and make an ear hole. Put an earring on it. Bond slave, I serve my master. Now, today, the big thing is to put an earring in your ear, man. Are you a bond slave of Jesus Christ? Who are you serving? You're serving what's in, or are you serving Jesus Christ? But notice also that he speaks there of serving with understanding. Not only did he ask men of understanding to seek these Levites out, but he says that the Levites themselves had understanding. But see, their understanding was based on the study of God's Word. Their understanding was based on the gifts and callings that God had given to them. Remember Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 7, where the church began to grow real fast. And and some of the Greek women, the Grecian Hebrews, they began to murmur and complain and say, listen, you guys aren't taking care of us. And so the disciples being wise and understanding the word of God, listen, we will not give ourselves to service because the priority is to give ourselves to prayer and to the word. You choose out men full of the Holy Ghost that prove themselves and let them take care of those tasks. Now listen, sometimes we conclude that those men that sweep, that hand out flyers, that come in and clean and to do the medial things, they're the less spiritual. But that's wrong. We only put men there who we believe are the most spiritual because it takes faithfulness and understanding of the Word of God. So it isn't putting them down, it's giving them an awesome responsibility and a great privilege. Where's our heart? What is it that we want of God? I mean, I believe God is doing some tremendous things and I hope you open your heart to him because he desires to use you. And so God uses men and women who are willing to serve
0: Pastor Xavier Reis has been illustrating with Ezra and the rebuilding of the temple to affirm the attributes suitable for starting and completing the work of God. Now you can hear this message again anytime online by simply selecting today's date at the radio listings link you'll find at CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. But if you'd like your own personal copy of today's intriguing message, you can ask for it by name. It's called Men That God Uses. And you can request it on CD for just $4. And having your own copy makes it easy to share with someone else you know. Once again, it's called Men That God Uses. And here's how you can reach us. Write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you let us know the call letters of this station when you contact us. And then join us for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese.